In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called... Hang on just a second. Just a second. That's the wrong scripture. That's the wrong scripture printed today. All right. Luke 21. Luke 21. We'll get to Luke 1 here in a few weeks, but... What's that? Luke 21, he had, he's got the wrong sheet. Ah. Oh, it does? Okay. Yeah. A little typo there. Luke 21, um, uh, 25 through 37. There we go. Yep. So we'll back up in the story a little bit. <laughs> Luke 1, verse 25. Right, Luke 21, verse 25. <laughs> there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your head, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with the dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly, like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. Every day he was teaching in the temple, and as night he would go out and spend the night on the Mount of Olives, as it was called, and all the people would get up early in the morning to listen to him in the temple. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. David, we set you up. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, we're going to get to that later. Um, Daniel, I'm not, I'm, my mic is on. Sanctuary one. Check one, two, one, two. Should I use the handheld? Yeah, use the handheld. Okay. All right. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a little bit closer to Christmas when we get to the angel Gabriel. Um, but this early text is the first Sunday um, of Advent. And uh, did it sound scary to you? A little scary to you? A little bit, a little unnerving, uh, no doubt about that. In 1905, um, there was a real passionate librarian in the Brooklyn Library who was concerned about what the little children were reading, what was in the library section. There were two books that she was really concerned about. Um, one was The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, and the other one was The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. She worried a whole lot about these mischievous characters. She saw that they acted in sometimes unethical ways, and they were very irreverent. So her supervisor, she said, look, I'm just going to take away these, um, 
Mark uh, Twain books or Sam Clemens, you know, was his real name. Her boss got wind of it and wrote Samuel Clemens a letter and told him, look, our librarian is thinking about getting, taking these books out of the children's section. And here is Mark Twain's response. <laughs> the mind that becomes soiled in youth can never be washed clean again. I know this by my own experience, and to this day I cherish an unappeased bitterness against the unfaithful guardians of my young life who not only permitted but compelled me to read the Bible through before I was 15 years old. None who do that can ever draw a clean, sweet breath again on this side of the grave. If there is a Bible in the children's section, won't you please help that young woman remove Tom and Huck from that questionable companionship? Sincerely yours, S.L. Clemens. <laughs> now, he wrote that tongue-in-cheek. He didn't have anything, he didn't have anything against the Bible. He was a kind of walk to the uh, drum of a, a beat of a different drummer, of course, and he was a nonconformist in his day back in 1905. But he had a point. There are a lot of stories that we read in the Bible that I would not have dared read to my children right before they went to sleep. And today's gospel is one of them. There will be wars, rumors of wars, terrible people in this world, corrupt in their ways. It's like, wow, Jesus, um, man, um, I don't know if this is what text I want to read. Maybe, maybe whoever was reading the program said, Bruce can't be reading that. It's too close to Christmas to read that. But that's what we get in Advent. We get a text as the days are getting darker. And um, as we may wait in this period in the darkness, what is the message of Jesus saying this? What is it? Now, other Gospels have the same story, so we know it's important. They all cover this, right? So let me set the context. Jesus is frustrated with religious leaders who could not get it in their head, his message of love, that love even beyond their own tradition, beyond their own tribe. That was really, really difficult for them. So Jesus was doing a lot of teaching around the temple area in his day and was drawing large, large crowds. And he overheard him one day talk about how magnificent this temple is. These stones that Herod brought in and made this incredible, beautiful edifice. Jesus said, hey, there's going to come a day when all this is going to crumble down. This is going to be leveled, right? And then Jesus talked about wars and rumors of wars and insurrections and horrible things and scary things. Jesus, now in some of your Bibles, it's going to say Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple. We could read it this way. Maybe the writers, decades after um, all this happened, were wanting to emphasize that Jesus could predict the future. Maybe he was some sort of fortune teller. But I sort of doubt that's why the writers put this disturbing story in there. Um, the temple was destroyed, so Jesus was right. Um, but the first readers of the gospel in the 60s and 70s, 20, 30 years after this, were experiencing a horrific time. They were um, 
uh, suffering and being persecuted. The people who decided they would follow Jesus could not uh, do business. They were kind of shut out of the business world. They couldn't go to the market. Um, They were ostracized from the temple and from the synagogues, and they were laughed at. So maybe this was written for people going through really difficult times, not just fortune teller telling. Um, I think it's here because Jesus knew that um, a crumbling temple or a disintegrating civilization or outside forces could never destroy followers of Jesus Christ. No. The only thing that can destroy the people who follow Jesus is fear. That's what he said, right? He talks later in there, David read this, about um, saying, be sure and guard your hearts from dissipation, from drunkenness, and from anxieties that beset you. What was the old, what was the president, I forgot, who was it, Roosevelt, who said the only thing we have to fear is what? Fear itself. So it's not an necessarily an external battle as much as it is an internal battle. Yes, Jesus says, bad things are going to happen in this life. And you know what? If you take me seriously, you're going to endure even worse things sometimes. If you talk about forgiveness and love, if you are hospitable to the stranger, sometimes you're going to get burned for it, and sometimes you're going... um, Uh, to get hurt. So all these people that were talking about buildings and about the nation and about the society, these are all the trappings of faith. But you see, if we lose the trappings of our faith, it's not going to hurt us. But if we lose the substance of our faith, then that's what can destroy us. Jesus says, you don't know what's really at risk. Um, Because it's not about the building. It's about the temple. It's about our temples with one another and what we do to continue to battle along, even when fear comes along to ride alongside us. It has to do with the message, right? Fear is a reality for all of us. How many of you are never anxious about anything? Can I see a show of hands? I didn't think so. Look, This is not about feeling guilty when you're worried, right? Because if you did that, we'd feel guilty all the time. Jesus wants to know what you do with your worry and your anxieties. How do you respond when the buildings of our hopes come crumbling down? How do you respond when you face adversity in your life? That is the important part about this. Again, let's look. Luke 21, 34 is the whole gist of it. Be careful, Jesus says, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you like a trap. Jesus says on good days and on bad days, on easy or tough days, the important part is this. Don't let your fears destroy you. 
Jesus is not saying that it's all going to be okay. He never tells us that. He says that what we think will destroy us, those outside things, they'll never, they'll never destroy us. An economy, uh, 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 the political landscape, um, uh, what we see on TV every night, what we sort of expose ourselves to every single night, bad news, bad news, bad news. If it, let me just tell you a secret about journalism. If it bleeds, it leads, right? So what are we consuming? Be careful what you're consuming. Be careful when the message to you is be very, very afraid. That will dissipate you. That will make you turn to toxicity. Maybe not intoxication, I hope, but just holding on to toxic feelings of resentment. Anger sells shampoo. For those of you who use it, I don't, but it's what pays the bills. We've got to be really careful because what Jesus is telling us is don't let them fool you. Oh, but Bruce, I, say, I hear this all the time. I go on visits. Do you think we're living in the end times, Bruce? Well, I guess we are. But you know what? We've always been living in the end times. They thought that in the late 30s when Hitler took over, right? World's coming to an end. It didn't. They thought that um, in the Great Depression. We thought that in 07 and 08 when the market just bottomed out, right? Every generation has an excuse to say, well, the world's coming to an end. Let's all be afraid. And Jesus says, no. No, the world is not coming to an end. It's coming to a new beginning. So he says, when things that are troubling that you see on TV or that you hear from other people, rumors and stuff, don't get worried. Don't get fearful. No, your redemption is near. Jesus is not saying it's going to be okay. Jesus is saying, you've got me. Quit letting your fears boss you around. In my house, this didn't last long. I don't know if this ever happened in your house, but I guess back in the 70s growing up as a kid, I guess, I don't know, churches were saying you should have family meetings. Did anybody have family meetings? Okay, my dad said, we're having a family meeting. And usually when that happened, I'll tell you what's going to, it was, um, but maybe somebody was sick in the family. And look, like you just need to know that nanny is sick and, you know, she's got cancer or, you know, something that might kind of worry you. But look, we're going to all stick together. Or it was like, okay, fess up, who put the hole in the wall, you know? But we knew this family meeting was the beginning of change. Something we all need to, our, my little nuclear family, need to kind of figure it out. And that, you know, we're going to have to absorb what might have been bad news, but it was there to, we've got each other. Let's deal with this, right? And I think Advent is a little bit, you know, before we get to the, to the manger, Right? Before we get to the good news, we need to kind of face the bad news. And that is, we live in a very broken, shattered, and shard world. Now, that's the bad news. But the good news, the 
good news is that it's going to give you a chance to shine. Christians, if you don't let fear distort your witness. That's not easy. It's not easy because we all get afraid. And maybe it's not even about banishing your fear. It's about doing the right thing even when you're afraid. I don't think courage is about not being afraid. I think the most courageous people in this world had to battle their fears just like you and I do. But in this time of Advent, when things get dark, when things go bump in the night, there is hope, Jesus said, because I am with you. So this Sunday, I'm calling a family meeting, right? It's not the things that happen to us. It's how we respond. As long as the church, and you're the church, as long as the church has life, we will protect and defend the weakest among us. We will not give in to what will destroy us because we are church and God is with us. We will not give in to fear even though we're human and we have it. This is a call to a bold and deep commitment to tend the flame of faith. Advent faith is, um, we're going to hear stories about a pregnant Mary running to go see her relative Elizabeth, but that's Advent faith. She was probably scared, a pregnant teenager, but going to see her relative Elizabeth bolstered her faith and helped her to go on. Advent faith is John the Baptist in Advent preaching and just being strange and ridiculous in front of the world. Israelites all over Israel sitting on the hoods of their camels, as Fred Craddock said one time in one of his deals, looking at this weird guy saying... It is time to repent and change our lives for Christ is coming. What do we do? They said, well, if you got two coats, give somebody one of them. In other words, John the Baptist says, quit being so scared and do something. Do your faith. Advent faith is Mary and Joseph plowing into Bethlehem, not knowing where they're going to live that's Advent faith. It's saying don't let the outside forces change you. Change from within. Guard your heart. Feed your heart. Strengthen your heart. Soften your heart. We know when we get scared, it's either fight or flight. But Jesus gives us a third F. That is faith. That is move forward through faith. There was once a, um, a lineman, uh, those brave souls that work on, you know, make sure we got electricity, climbing those poles. And, and uh, this lineman was dying in this hospice. And uh, the clergy was there praying with this old lineman. And um, the lineman was telling a story about there's this moment that all the linemen have to be really paying attention or it can kill you. And that is when they put the pole into the ground, there's a, there's a one in a thousand chance that the pole doesn't hit that hole just right and it comes down. Oh, the clergy said, 
Boy, I bet when that happens, you just start running as fast as you can away from the pole. You know what the lineman said? No, that's what kills you. <laughs> Here's what you do. When the pole comes down, you run toward it so that you can see it. And you place your hands to where the pole cannot get you. Friends, when the pole comes down in life, we follow Jesus. We're not running away from the pole. We're going to run to the pole. Because Jesus has given us eyes to see and ears to hear and a faith that will not let fear overcome it. Danger is real, of course, but faith, but fear is always a choice. Fear is a reality. It's there and there's nothing, nothing wrong with us when we fear something. But fear cannot be our driving choice, not if we're Christians. We got to trust. Now, here's the one quote, and I want to share it with you on the, on the thing. You could probably hear this in every sermon we do throughout December. I mean, yeah, throughout December as we lead up. It's by E. Stanley Jones. It says this. The early Christians did not say in dismay, look at what the world has come to, but in delight, look at what has come into the world. What do we do? How do we deal with the fear in us? Don't try to get rid of the fear because that's the worst thing you can do, right? You're trying to get rid of something. No, we substitute a more powerful force. What is a more powerful force that seems weak to many? It's the most lasting force, but it can take a lifetime to cultivate. It's the most courageous force, but it's scariest to put into practice. It's the most fleeting and fickle, but it's the only force Jesus commanded us to do. And I don't even have to say it. What force is that? What is it? It's a four-letter word. Love. Man, love is what motivates us. <laughs> Did you? I'm sorry. It looks like maybe somebody got the wrong answer back there. This is okay. That's okay. Well, see, some people say courage is the opposite of fear. But I want to tell you, love is the, is the opposite of fear. I mean, you put love in your heart. Um, there, there's nothing I won't do if my, if, if my heart is filled with love. You want to see a mama pick up a car if her child is in danger she'll pick up a car why love you know what it is john lennon said this i love this quote by john lennon there are two motivating forces fear and love when we're afraid we pull back from life when we are in love we open up to all life has to offer with passion excitement and acceptance i love that and if you need a little more bolstering from Scripture, it says in 1 John, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and he who fears is not perfected in love. So what do we do, Advent people, when we wake up in the morning? Be careful what you ask yourself. Don't ask, what am I afraid of when you wake up? Ask, what do I love or who do I love? And your day might go completely different. 
When the sun comes up tomorrow, don't ask, what might happen to me today that might hurt me? No, ask what I might do that can change someone's life who's hurting for the better. Pay attention to what you are saying to yourself day after day. And remember that, the, that what the angel said to Mary before she accepted the scary task of shepherding in or bringing in the Son of God into this world, Gabriel said, do not fear. I don't know the future. Nobody is a fortune teller, but I do know who holds the future. And our job is to testify to the radical love of Jesus Christ in the face of what we are afraid of. Our job is to add to community, to generosity and bold witness we will not give in to fear. We will hold one another and reject the power of fear for something greater. Now, I told you that other gospels tell this story, and I just want to sort of end, I'm wrapping up with this image. And that is, here's what Jesus says in Matthew 24, and I like this. Um, he quotes a little something different from Jesus that I love. Jesus says, for nation will rise above nation and, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be families and earthquakes in various places. Um, all this is but the beginning of birth pangs. Now, what does Jesus know about childbirth, right? Has anybody ever been present at a childbirth, right? What do you love? Here's what I love, abundant and new life. And what I know on the other side of crumbling temples and kingdoms is that new life awaits you and me. This is not about the end. This is about a new beginning. And what do midwives say to women and what do other doctors say? What do they say when a, when a woman is going through that labor and, oh, my goodness, we still got a ways to go. And, oh, my goodness, a baby is coming. Your child is on the way. And I don't know how you women do it because that wouldn't do anything maybe for me. But well, it probably would. It, I would hope it would. But what I'm saying is, is that that is, right, the most painful thing a human being has to go through. A baby is on the way. Whatever difficulty you're going through, whatever pain you've got in your heart, whatever worries you have, you remember this. New life is on the way. And we when we remember that, we reject fear. When we reject fear, we do the brave things in life. And when we do, here's the best part. We give other people an excuse not to let fear destroy them. That is our witness. So I invite you to find that new life this Advent. Let's find that this Christmas. Amen.